It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. From Bloomberg News and iHeartRadio, it's The Big Take. I'm Wes Kosova. Today, it's tax time again. Have you done yours yet? Maybe you're just sitting down now to tackle that hated yearly chore. Or paying an accountant or logging into an online service like the most popular one, Intuit's TurboTax. But no matter if you do it way ahead of time or at the very last minute, what if you didn't have to file taxes at all? The IRS just did it for you for free, told you each year how much your refund is or what you owe without you having to lift a finger. We asked some people in Washington, D.C. if they'd want the IRS to do their taxes for them. Probably, yeah. Our tax situation is uh, reasonably simple, I would say, quite straightforward. So anything that can make it a little cheaper. Yeah, we'd love to do free taxes uh, provided by the government. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think I would be in favor of that because I usually use like third-party software anyway, and so this seems more straightforward. Seems like a good option. I don't know if I would trust them to manage a system like that. It's, you know, it's reminiscent of healthcare.gov. <laughs> Yeah, in a perfect world, sure. But are they capable of managing what's on their plate right now? Not quite. This proposal is just what the Biden administration and some Democrats want to happen. Congress has approved money for the Internal Revenue Service to study if it's possible for the government to do people's taxes for them like some other countries already do. Bloomberg reporters Brody Ford, Ben Steverman, and Laura Davison have been covering what that might look like. Brody, the IRS is conducting this study on the possibility of creating its own tax filing service that would be free. Exactly what is that and why are they doing it now? The IRS has flirted with creating free tax system for a long time, for decades. It's one of those weird, uniquely American things. I compare it a bit to healthcare, where we know that our system is pretty different than other developed countries, maybe doesn't work as well, but there's just never quite been the political will to change that. So unless you own a business in most developed countries, most wealthy countries, the government essentially calculates these things for you. It's not that you have to scramble before April and hire an accountant or go online and fill out all these things and sweat through the night. Essentially, it's kind of done for you. The same way in some other countries, you don't have to pay for health care. It's just part of your taxes. And so for a long time, good government types, folks at the IRS have thought, hey, could we do this? But, you know, ultimately, that has not happened. About 20 years ago, the IRS entered an agreement with private industry saying, OK, look, we won't compete with you. We won't make a system that would undercut your profits 
as long as you make your systems available to low and moderate income people. I think the agreement was about 70% of the population, and so that's it's a significant number. That didn't work. <laughs> that didn't happen, right? Today, under that agreement, I think it's only about 4% of people have utilized it. Some corporations offer their systems for free by their own accord, but it's unregulated. They try to upsell people. And so one of the big reasons that right now is a moment we're seeing this happen is that some pretty important officials have come to the conclusion that the current agreement between the IRS and private industry has not worked. The other reason this is on the table now is that last August, Congress passed, after more than a year of debate, the Inflation Reduction Act, so-called, which is President Biden's signature economic package. There's money for climate in there, but there's also money for the IRS, almost $80 billion, to improve customer service, to improve enforcement. But along with that, Elizabeth Warren and other progressives kind of shoehorned into that very large bill this study of whether it's viable to offer free tax filing to Americans in some form. Laura, is it viable? You've covered the IRS for a long time. Is this something that the IRS can do? Well, there's two questions there is, can the IRS do it? The IRS has had a lot of technical challenges going forward, and that's really part of this $80 billion as part of the Inflation Reduction Act is to get the agency up to the technical standard it needs to be. So it is possible, particularly with this new investment. There are a lot of examples where um, government websites, healthcare.gov is sort of the prime example of where... That was the Obamacare website we all remember. It came out, it was super glitchy. So there's, you know, examples of government sort of falling down um, when they have these big initiatives that they need to take on. There's a lot of optimism, both within the IRS and outside the IRS, that this is something that is possible. The IRS already has this information to go ahead and calculate people's taxes for them. And that's one of the big frustrations for folks. When they go and file their taxes, they are trying to figure out all the receipts, get all the paperwork they need from their bank, from their job. And the IRS already has this for the most part. Having the IRS tell you what they think you owe is sort of the government showing their hand first versus you having to guess what they have and then having the IRS come back and say, hey, no, you're wrong. We either need more information or more money or, you know, worst case scenario, we're sending an auditor to look through all your books. So Brody described how other countries do that. Is that the way it works? Is that they're just keeping track of the numbers? You know, the computers already kind of know what you owe and they just tell you and you pay it? Yeah. So it's essentially, um, you know, they call it a returnless filing system um, that basically you get a form and it says, here's what you made. Here are other income sources you may have. And you just click OK, yes or no. And you move on. It takes almost no time. Whereas in the U.S., the average American spends somewhere north of 10 hours a year filling out their tax return. That is a fixable problem with money and time. The IRS can do this. The question is, can they really get the go ahead from Congress and the funding from Congress to do this? And so there is the big question. Brody, you mentioned how there was this agreement between the government and these companies that you can pay, like TurboTax and H&R Block. We're familiar with them. But it hasn't happened. And why is that? So the goal with the Free File Alliance was, you got to remember, I think this was 2002. A lot of people were still physically mailing their returns to the IRS. That's a disaster. Nobody wants that. So part of the goal was, to improve electronic filing, make it simpler for everyone, and also make sure that people who were below a certain income threshold could get it for free. And again, the goal was there that if you have 70% of people 
who are eligible, you know, maybe you don't get all 70%, but you know, maybe you get 40, 50%. You get 4% is what ended up happening. And that has happened because a couple of reasons. Lack of awareness, right? A lot of people just simply didn't know about this program. If you talk to your friends, I mean, I remember I was in college not that long ago. Nobody made above this income threshold. Nobody knew about this, right? Everybody paid to do their taxes. And I think that's a pretty common story. And regulators would say a big part of that is because companies like Intuit and TurboTax promoted their paid service, promoted their service that was outside of the bounds of the IRS. And so the way it's supposed to work was, let's say you were eligible to use this agreement. It's called the Free File Alliance. And you Google free tax returns. What was supposed to happen? What was supposed to happen is that one of the IRS-approved contractors, essentially, would appear. And you would go to their site and you'd get it for free. And there would be protections in terms of data. There'd be protections in terms of cross-selling. And that's not what happened. The share of folks using that IRS-facilitated system essentially declined year over year. And an important element is Intuit and H&R Block actually both pulled out of it. Um, So they, they aren't even part of the alliance anymore. A lot of the smaller providers are there, but with taxes, a lot of it is about trust. And if you're already uncertain about your taxes and you see a site you never heard of, you're probably not going to click on it. The other aspect of this is that if you watched the Super Bowl in the last few years, you've probably seen a TurboTax ad. And in previous years, they would hammer home the idea that it was free. So they were marketing themselves, their core product, as a free product. And a lot of people would log on to do that, and then they'd end up paying like paying for a state tax return or paying for other services. The thing, too, that's important to remember behind all of this is just the fear that goes in for the average person as they're trying to file their taxes. You know, they don't want to get audited. They don't want to forget something. So when you have a service that's saying, hey, for, you know, 25, 30, 40 extra dollars, we'll, um, you know, make sure that if you get audited, if you're selected for audit, we'll, we'll cover that for you. If you're already in the system and you need to fill out your state tax return, what's another 25 bucks to go ahead and do that? Another thing that's important to remember is that some of the services would also allow you to pay for the service out of your refund. So it feels like less of a hit if, okay, I'm getting $2,000 back, you know, what's 100 or 200 of that going to the tax service versus having to actually write a check? So they made it very easy psychologically for people to say, yeah, this is worth paying for and I'm not even really feeling the hit directly. It's in the interest of tax filing companies who make money off of this to make this tax filing time seem like this very complicated thing. For a lot of people, like maybe 70 million people, according to one study we looked at, they have pretty simple taxes. Like I have very simple taxes. You know, I have a W-2. I've got my income, but I don't own a house. And so I have a retirement account, but that's not part of your taxes. And so I have like two or three inputs Why am I paying to file a very simple tax return that there really isn't any risk of being audited? And if they do audit me, like I'll have two documents to show them. So there's a lot of people in that situation and those people are still anxious and they really shouldn't be. So a lot of this controversy began to come to a head in about 2019. We saw state regulators, federal regulators, stand-up comedians, journalists, a lot of people coming out of the woodworks to say, wait a second, tax filing was meant to be free. There's a company making $4 billion a year off of it. And that's a really core piece of the lawsuits by a coalition of state regulators, all 50, rare to see them all agree on something, as well as the Federal Trade Commission. 
And so the state regulator lawsuit, they took them to task over this free marketing, as well as that thing of redirecting users from the IRS facilitated system to their system. Um, and that ended up settling. Intuit paid $141 million, and they agreed to a whole motley of remedies. They agreed to more government monitoring. They agreed to change their advertising practices. And Intuit says that they are helping the consumer, that they are helping people get the biggest return possible that maybe wouldn't be possible without their software. And even in the state regulator lawsuit, they admitted no wrongdoing as they accepted the variety of remedies. And if you've watched advertisements on YouTube, the Super Bowl, in the last year or two, you've noticed that TurboTax's ads don't say free too much. There was an advertisement cited by regulators where it was an auctioneer, and the dude just said free, 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 free. Free, 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 down, down, free. Hit free here, free, 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 free. And then it popped up with a TurboTax logo. Like, that was the whole brand positioning, right? And that's totally changed now. But if you talk to TurboTax like I have, they say that the change in marketing away from the free messaging is totally unrelated to the lawsuits, that they were going that direction anyway. But no matter how you cut it, their marketing has changed in recent years. When we're back, what this tax filing system might look like if it happens. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Laura, how much political momentum is there in Washington for the IRS to provide this service? Yeah, you're starting to see political momentum, particularly from Democrats, about the need for this. You mentioned earlier that Senator Elizabeth Warren has really been beating this drum. With simplified filing, they could plug in IRS data, take a look, maybe make a tweak if they think there's something that's not right there, and then send it in in minutes instead of hours. My view on this, it's time to put hardworking Americans at the center of our tax policy simplify, make it easier, let them be able to pay their taxes and move on with their lives. She's led a group of Democratic senators on a bill that's been in Congress for several years. It's never really gotten any traction on this issue. You know, the reason that the Free File Alliance exists is because of this 20-year-old truce where the IRS and Congress said, "Okay, we'll let the companies have a stake in this and we won't compete with them. And that was the result of lobbying. We're now sort of at the end of this pact. And Congress sees an opening to go forward here. But I anticipate that we will see, again, lobbying really step up. Um, you look at Intuit and H&R Block, both are big political givers and bipartisan. They're giving to both sides, so no matter who is in charge, um, that they will have friends on both sides of the aisle. You look about 15, 20 years ago um, in California, there was an effort to do this at the state level for California state tax returns. So there was a pilot program in 2005 and 2006 where they sent out these returns already filled out to people and you just basically had to check yes or no and send it back to the state tax board. And people loved it. 99% of people said that they thought it was great and they said it saved them time, that it was really, really beneficial. I mean, just kind of across the board, really overwhelmingly positive response. It never got a vote in the California state legislature. Brody, Laura mentioned how the industry does a lot of lobbying. Tell us about Intuit specifically. It's the biggest in the online tax filing space, and it owns TurboTax. 
Absolutely. They punch above their weight when it comes to looking at the size of a company versus how much they're spending on lobbying. They set a record last year for their lobbying spending more than any other year before. They have a lot of, you know, well-known faces around D.C. working for them. And what I find interesting about their strategy is the way that their arguments appeal to both the left and the right. They'll say things that appeal to Republicans, such as, the IRS is overreaching, the IRS doesn't have the capability of doing this. And then they'll say things that can appeal to Democrats talking about how, well, look, the IRS is just underfunded and we want to make sure that poor people get their returns. You know, this won't really benefit the working class. One of the arguments from TurboTax that it's a conflict of interest for the IRS to offer this as a service to taxpayers, that the IRS has a interest in getting the most revenue possible. So the idea that you would pre-populate returns and suggest how much someone owes proactively would be somehow a conflict of interest, and the IRS could be playing games with that. And do those arguments win on Capitol Hill because they're so persuasive or because there's some money that goes along with it? You know, you particularly look at Republicans, and they've had a lot of success with anti-IRS messaging um, throughout the midterms. They really campaigned on, you know, Biden is pumping $80 billion, and there's going to be an IRS army with armed agents on your doorstep demanding that you hand over money. The flip side of this is that this is also an idea that's very popular with voters. So if people get a taste of this, Republicans may struggle more to convince people that this is something that they should be fearful of. So let's say the IRS does move forward with all this money in the Biden plan and they try to build their own tax filing system. What would that actually look like? If you went to it, what do you imagine you would find there? There's a nonprofit called Code for America, which just took it upon themselves to make a mock-up. And it's very simple, right? This would be a system, at least initially, filled with fairly simple taxes. The idea would be that you just kind of log in. There's that nice little IRS logo. You know it's official. And it says, here's what you owe, put in your dependents, put in which tax credits you're going to claim. And their idea was to make it mobile first with the thought that a lot more people don't have access to computers than I think a lot of us realize, right? Especially those who maybe aren't currently being served by our tax system. So the idea is that it would be as simple as possible because, again, if the government is already supplying this information, you wouldn't need it to be some advanced piece of software. One of the other interesting ideas that's being discussed at the IRS now is they're actually in the midst of building a much better customer service interface digitally. I'm not saying that they're building the actual tax filing part of it, but you can imagine like you could, in theory, log into an account. Let's say you were being audited. Like it would be nice to be able to see, okay, did the IRS get the response that I sent them? Has that been uploaded yet? How do I upload it? What else do they need from me? The sort of basic stuff that you have in other customer service settings when you're dealing with like a bank or just have an account at a company, the IRS is like decades behind on that stuff. So that is the basic infrastructure they're building now. And you can sort of imagine that tax filing could be kind of bolted onto that potentially. During COVID, the IRS actually really got a great sort of trial by fire experiment in dealing with all of the um, distribution of the three rounds of stimulus checks. So they have started to build some of these systems during the pandemic to give people a sense of updating of when is your money coming, um, how can you expect to receive it, that sort of thing. They've had um, some small case studies to see what are the functionalities that people want, what should the system look like, and how do we manage um, sort of that direct communication with what would essentially be, you know, customers or taxpayers. 
So that's one way that maybe they've sort of built up some of their muscles. But I think a lot of people would probably look at the argument that the IRS could build a website that would be able to do tens of millions of people's taxes and do it right and do it on time and sort of like, yeah, good luck, fellas. Because we know how the government works and it's not always that great. Do you think the IRS has the capability to build this thing even with all that money? The flip side to the stimulus check argument is that there were a lot of mistakes and a lot of people got missed and a lot of people didn't have the money go to them. And one thing, too, that's just kind of important to remember of sort of what stage we are in the process is the IRS got $80 billion partially for tech, but also for customer service and for expanding their enforcement operations. $15 million, with an M, so of $80 billion, $15 million is to do this study to figure out if this is feasible. So they are really, you know, just at the starting line of developing something like this. So that's a good point, because the study, they have to issue a report in May of this year. Let's say they come up with a really great plan. How soon after that do you think this could actually be up and running? Okay, that silence tells us everything we need to know. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, they're going to need to go back to Congress for more money for some of this, likely. I'm just looking at the size and scope of, of what this project could be. And as people who are watching Washington may remember, this summer is going to be a big fight over the debt ceiling and government funding and Republicans control the House now. So this is almost certainly going to get locked into some politics and some fights over funding about how this moves forward um, and could be a political football, you know, as these debates continue. After the break, all the obstacles that could get in the way of the IRS. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Brody, you write that Wall Street analysts think that the chances of the government building this system are so remote that they don't even factor it into their models. Yeah, so companies under risk of losing their revenue in the future, they lose a little bit off their stock price. You know, if you have a company that's big oil is a great example, right? Everybody knows that that's going to go away. Maybe not as soon as some people hope, but it's going to go away, right? And so they lose some valuation on that. The same thing if a company might get regulated out of existence. They lose valuation. Intuit does not lose valuation for risk of the IRS. I went down the list and called like 10 different analysts. A lot of them kind of laughed at me. They were saying, you know, one, the IRS is underfunded. It's not going to be able to do it. But the consensus over there is absolutely that Intuit will be fine, that even if the IRS goes ahead and successfully builds this, it's not going to pull away many people. And maybe the people it pulls away weren't really a profit center anyway. I wonder, though, if some of these analysts are being a little too confident and a little too cocky because Wall Street, the stock market, for these companies, it's all about growth. And if an IRS product can cut into some of the growth And also, remember, this is a market where there really isn't any competition. More than 90% of the revenue in this segment is going to one company, in terms of online filing, at least. So if you have a competitor, you might have to cut your prices to bring people back. 
Something to clarify is that when we talk about the online market and really the group of people we're talking about in general today is that 50% or so of people who don't own a ton of assets, who don't have the most complicated situation in the world, because these are the people that are using services like TurboTax. Because, you know, at the end of the day, if you own five houses, you're going to an accountant. You weren't weren't in the TurboTax pool of users anyways. Laura, you mentioned that we're about to enter in a summer of fighting over spending in Washington. Republicans really love the idea of raiding all that money for the IRS. Do you think there's a chance that that money just becomes a casualty of this fight and this whole thing that we're talking about here gets shelved for another day? So Republicans made their first vote um, when they took over the House to be repealing this funding. So this is a big um, symbolic issue for them. It is unlikely, given that Biden is president and Democrats control the Senate, that that entire 80 billion pot goes away. You could see that this becomes a flashpoint that Republicans and Democrats are both arguing over of, you know, are there additional restrictions put on this money? Are there certain bits of it that are that are held back or have other ways that make it less effective and, and give the IRS less flexibility to move forward on this? This money isn't going away. Democrats are not going to concede that this was such a big political win for them to get this. But it does make it harder for the IRS if they are hamstrung in some way, shape or form. Or, you know, of course, in a couple years, if Republicans do take over, this money does become at risk. It's always an unfair thing to do to ask anyone to predict the future. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. Brody, if you look five years from now, do you think people are going to be filing their taxes for free online? I can see a reality where a fairly limited group of people are. I think betting against movement in Congress is usually a winning one. I don't want to sound like all the Wall Street analysts here, but they have pretty convincing arguments. I think the tone most people left me on is while they wouldn't use the word likely at this point, they would say it's the best chance we've had in two decades. And I think that's a fair assessment. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I think it is the best chance that government-provided free filing has had ever, but there are huge logistical challenges. There is a lot that the IRS is planning to do over the next few years. It's really impossible to imagine that some point in the 21st century, the IRS won't be able to build this because it is a pretty simple off-the-rack thing eventually there's going to be someone that's going to be able to push this through. And you would presumably think that it will be used by a certain number of people who will then become constituents and voters and would want it to continue. Laura, what do you think? I'm more optimistic than less. I will not commit to that five-year timeline, but I do think that this is an inevitability and probably sooner rather than later. There will just become, particularly for politicians who have to answer for why are you against making it simple for your constituents to file taxes, that's going to become a losing argument at some point. Laura, Ben, Brody, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening to us here at The Big Take. It's a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us questions or comments to bigtake at bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of The Big Take is Vicki Vergolina. Our senior producer is Catherine Fink. Our producers are Michael Falero and Mo Barrow. Hilda Garcia is our engineer. Our original music was composed by Leo Sidrin. I'm Wes Kosova. We'll be back tomorrow with another Big Take. 
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.